Everyone loves a good family mystery, especially one with as many twists and turns as June's journey. Step into the role of June Parker and search for hidden clues to uncover the mystery of her sister's murder. Find hidden clues and uncover a murder mystery. Solve mind-teasing mysteries of the Roaring Twenties. Engage your sense of observation to find hidden clues. Search for hidden objects from the parlors of New York to the sidewalks of Paris and uncover a collection of dazzling hidden object spectacles for you to solve. We're all here because we love true crime, right? Well, this game has the perfect twists and turns to keep your brain asking, what happened here? There's nothing I love more than getting to decorate my very own luxurious state island. The best part? You can chat and play with or against other players by joining a detective club. Can you crack the case? Download June's Journey for free today on iOS and Android. Hello, listeners. I'm your host, Amara, and this is Black Girl Gone, a true crime podcast. On this episode of Black Girl Gone, I tell the story of Faye Dollar, who was 38 years old when she was murdered in Atlanta, Georgia in December 1980. On November 30th, 1980, Faye left her home in her gold Monte Carlo. Her two young sons were home asleep, but Faye never returned. Police quickly concluded that Faye, who had never missed a day of work in 13 years, had likely met with foul play. Four days later, Faye's new body was found in the trunk of her car that was parked outside a local motel. She had been hit in the back of the head. 43 years after Faye left her home, the person who killed her has not been found. Who killed Faye Dollar? And why? This is Faye's story. If you search for the name Faye Dollar, you will get very few results. And a lot of the information that's out there surrounding her murder is incorrect. Even the picture that most often accompanies her story isn't her picture. It's no wonder Faye's murder in the nearly 43 years since it happened has gotten very little attention, and she deserved more. And so although it's been over four decades since this crime took place, more people should hear the story about what happened to her. And her case, even now, deserves our attention. Her killer can be brought to justice because there is no statute of limitations on murder. Faye Dollar, whose maiden name was Faye Jackson, was born on March 8, 1942, in the small town of Madison, Georgia. Situated approximately an hour's drive from Atlanta, Madison would serve as the backdrop for her early years of life. Faye grew up in a large family, finding herself as the youngest of nine siblings. After completing her high school education, Faye's journey towards higher learning led her to Fort Valley College, now known as Fort Valley State University. This historically Black institution is nestled in the heart of Fort Valley, Georgia, and would be the platform for her academic aspirations. She graduated from there with a bachelor's degree, and Faye's thirst for knowledge then led her to Atlanta University, another prestigious historically Black institution. In 1988, 
Atlanta University merged with Clark College, creating what is now known as Clark Atlanta University. And it was during her time at Atlanta University that fate intervened in her life story. A cousin introduced her to a gentleman named Donald Dollar. Faye and Donald began dating, and eventually the couple got married. In 1972, Faye embarked on her teaching career at Riverwood High School, marking the beginning of a transformative chapter in her life. Over the years, her family expanded, with Faye and Donald welcoming two sons into the world. In 1975, she took on a new role as a math teacher at Fellwood High School, which has since become Benjamin Banneker High School. As they settled into their life in Atlanta, Donald found his own niche of work as a basketball coach at a local high school. Together, Faye and her husband became pillars of their community, earning respect from the people that they knew. They embodied the essence of the American dream in many ways. However, as life unfolded, their once harmonious marriage started to unravel after 13 years. The couple separated, and according to reporting, police had been called to the couple's home several times for alleged domestic disputes. Family and friends described the divorce as bitter, and Faye had confided in some of them that Donald was cruel, something that he later denied. But as 1980 came to an end, Faye was adjusting to her new life as a single woman. Her divorce from Donald was finalized in September, and she had been granted full custody of the couple's sons. After 13 years and what was described as a bitter divorce, Faye began to prepare for the next chapter of her life. Sadly, however, before the year was over, Faye would be dead. On Saturday, November 30th, 1980, Faye was home with her two sons, who were nine and four at the time. According to reports, she put the children to bed that night sometime after 8 p.m. At around 9 p.m., Faye received a call from someone who has never been identified. Shortly after, Faye, wearing a red dress with rollers still in her hair, left her house and got in her gold 1972 Monte Carlo. It's not clear where Faye was going that night, but wherever it was, she had not planned to be there long because her boys were home alone and she still had rollers in her hair. But when Faye left her home that night, she never returned. When the boys woke up the next morning, they found the house empty. Their mom was nowhere to be found. When they looked out the window and discovered their mom's car was also not there, as young as they were, they knew that something wasn't right. And so they called their dad, Donald, to tell him what was going on. When Donald realized that his ex-wife had left their son's home and not come back, he contacted the police to report her missing. He gave police a description of the vehicle and the license plate number, and police issued a be on the lookout for Faye's car. People who knew Faye knew immediately that something was wrong. Now, there were no cell phones back then, and so there was no way to get in contact with her, but people who knew her knew that she wouldn't have just left and not come back. She had also left all of her personal belongings in the house, another indicator that she had not planned to be gone long. And when Monday came, Faye, who had never missed a day of work in 13 years, did not show up to teach her math class. It was confirmation that 
something had happened to Faye, and it was bad. When police learned that Faye had not shown up for work and had never missed a day before without informing her job, they too realized that this was more than a missing person case, and that Faye had likely met with foul play. Quote, We don't believe she's staying away voluntarily, one of the missing person detectives working on the case told a local newspaper. Police had very little information about Faye's disappearance. Her sons were fast asleep when she left home, and so no one really knew exactly what time she had left or where she had gone. With the be-on-the-lookout issued, police hoped that someone would at least see her vehicle somewhere in the area. But in the first few days after Faye was last seen, it was almost like she had vanished into thin air. On Thursday, December 4th, 1980, after days of no information, things began to turn a corner in the investigation. Early that day, police had found some of Faye's personal belongings. Now, what was found or where exactly it was found is not clear, but whatever they found solidified their theory that Faye Dollar was the victim of foul play. That same day, police found out that the license plate number that Donald had originally given to them was incorrect. And so after receiving the correct plate number, police updated the be on the lookout. And within hours, Faye's car was found. That evening, at around 7.30 p.m., a patrol officer making his rounds spotted the gold Monte Carlo with the correct plates in the parking lot of the Admiral Benbow Inn, which was located at 1470 Spring Street Northwest. When the officer arrived there, there was no sign of Faye inside the vehicle. The officer called for forensics to come to the scene and process the car. When they arrived, they dusted the vehicle for fingerprints, and a tow truck service was called to the scene so that they could access the trunk of the car, which was locked. At around 8.15 p.m. on December 4th, the trunk of Faye's gold Monte Carlo was opened, and inside, police made a shocking discovery. Inside the trunk of the car, police found Faye's nude body. The red dress that she was last seen wearing was nowhere to be found, and neither were any other items of clothing. Faye was face down in a fetal position on top of a spare tire that was in the trunk that left marks on her body. Her rollers were still in her hair, and she was wearing a gold chain around her neck. Although they could not immediately determine the cause of death, they could clearly see a wound on the back of her head behind her ear. This was obviously a murder. After four long days, Faye's missing person case had come to a devastating end. And now the question was, what happened to her after she left her home that night? And who would want to kill her? Someone had gone to extreme lengths to commit this murder, and no one could understand why. When Faye was first murdered, no one knew that the answers to those questions would become harder and harder to find. On December 4th, 1980, 38-year-old Faye Dollar's body was found in the trunk of her car in Atlanta, Georgia. Four days before her body was found, Faye disappeared after leaving her home that evening. 
As police began their investigation into what happened to Faye, her family had no idea how long their wait for justice would be. After Faye's body was found in her car at the Admiral Benbow Inn, police needed to determine the cause of death. They were sure that she had been murdered since she had been stuffed in the trunk and the wound on the back of her head. But exactly how she died was an important part of their investigation. They had already collected fingerprints from the car, but it's not clear if there were items collected from inside the car. There was no information that I could find about whether her keys were found. Detectives working the case also needed to determine how Faye's car got to the motel in the first place. They spoke to the manager at the motel, and he said that Faye had not checked into the inn. He said that the car wasn't there on Tuesday when security made the rounds that day. Detectives also spoke to people who had been staying at the inn, and they said that they had not seen the car in the parking lot at all. Many of them had been driving in and out of the lot that day, but no one recalled seeing the Monte Carlo. Based on the evidence that they had gathered so far, it seems as if Faye had been killed elsewhere, and then her body was transported to the motel and left in the car. Detectives questioned people who knew Faye also, trying to gather information about her life. The community was shocked and saddened by the news of her murder, and were hoping that the perpetrator would be caught soon. When the autopsy was performed on Faye, the medical examiner determined that she had been dead for several days before she was found. The cause of death was a blow to the back of the head, caused by a blunt force instrument. Now, the ME would not say what that instrument was, but he told the local paper that they had a pretty good idea about what the instrument was. They also said that they were sending evidence that they had collected to the lab to be tested. But after the article about Faye's cause of death appeared in the Atlanta Journal-Constitution, there were no more articles about the investigation into her murder. In Atlanta, at the beginning of the 80s, the city was being haunted by what is now known as the Atlanta Child Murders. For those who aren't familiar, the Atlanta Child Murders refers to a series of tragic and highly publicized murders that took place in Atlanta, Georgia, primarily between 1979 and 1981. And during this period, a significant number of children and young adults, primarily African-American, were abducted and murdered in the Atlanta area. Now, the exact number of victims varies, but it's believed that at least 29 individuals fell victims to these crimes. The case eventually garnered national attention due to its alarming frequency and the fact that many of the victims were children, which caused a lot of fear and outrage in the community. The majority of the victims were male, and they ranged from ages of young children to teenagers. Eventually, Wayne Williams, a local aspiring music producer and talent scout, was eventually arrested and convicted in 1982 for the murders of two adult men, Nathaniel Carter and Jimmy Payne. These convictions were pivotal in closing the case because authorities believed that Williams was responsible for multiple murders, including several of the children victims. However, he was not convicted of any of the child murders specifically. 
The case and conviction of Wayne Williams were controversial, with many people believing that he was wrongly accused and there may have been multiple perpetrators in the Atlanta child murders. The investigation faced criticism for various reasons, including the lack of direct evidence connecting Williams to the child victims and the pressure on law enforcement to solve the case due to its high public profile. But to this day, the Atlanta child murders remain a subject of debate and speculation, and some argue that there may have been other individuals responsible for some of the child murders, while others believe Williams was the sole perpetrator. Despite the controversy, the case had a profound impact on law enforcement practices, child safety initiatives, and the discussion of racial disparities in the criminal justice system, as these murders primarily affected the Black community in Atlanta. And so, perhaps, already strained resources were being strained even more, and the attention from the local media had simply shifted to the multiple missing children who were turning up dead— causing Faye's case to get less and less attention, which in some ways you get. But in the months and years following her murder, the fact that her killer was not found meant that people began to come up with their own theories about who killed Faye. Now, when a woman is murdered, the first people or person that police look at is the spouse or ex. And Donald was someone that police had to rule out. A year after Faye's murder, he spoke to the Atlanta Journal-Constitution and said this, quote, I've been through it all with the polygraph tests and everything. The police came down pretty hard on me. I guess you could say that I found out that even if you're innocent, you still have to defend yourself. He acknowledged that at the end of their marriage, things between the couple were not good, but said that Faye had painted an inaccurate picture of him to her family and friends. Quote, During the time when Faye and I were having trouble, she convinced some of her friends that I was bad to her, that I was a bully. And so, naturally, when the tragedy happened, her friends and family assumed I did it, he told the journal. Donald, who was still coaching basketball at the time, was trying to move forward with his life. Despite the murder of his ex-wife and the whispers from people in the community, he had full custody of their sons and now had the responsibility of raising two kids alone. But he said that people began harassing him and he was receiving threatening phone calls. Quote, I'd like to think I'm a quiet guy. I've always liked to keep to myself and be with my family. Then one day you look up and your life is front page news and people you thought were your friends are saying awful things about you and the police are questioning you, and your life is being threatened on the phone. It's quite an experience, he also said. Eventually, the call stopped, and the police stopped contacting him. Their sons, despite losing their mother in such a tragic way, both grew up to be successful men. Life did go on, but without a killer being caught, the cloud of suspicion never fully left. It's now been four decades since Faye was murdered. And since the 80s, there's been no new information released about her case. We do know from Donald that he was investigated and given a polygraph test. But it's not known who else, if anyone, detectives spoke to. We know based on reporting that there were fingerprints and other evidence collected as part of the investigation. But 
there is no information about the results of that evidence. Over the years, the lack of reporting and information from police has caused the information about this case to get lost, and in many instances has caused incorrect information to be attached to Faye's case. Even the Atlanta PD itself has inaccurate information attached to Faye's profile on their website. To begin with, the most glaring discrepancy lies in the image that accompanies Faye's profile. Contrary to expectations, the woman in the photograph is not Faye Dollar. And sadly, the true identity of this woman also remains a mystery. Nonetheless, this misleading image has unfortunately become an emblem of Faye's case in numerous stories about her murder. And the inaccuracies in the Atlanta PD's profile go beyond the image issue. It also states that Faye was 22 years old at the time of her tragic demise, when in actuality, Faye was 38 years old when she met her untimely end. This age discrepancy only adds to the confusion surrounding the case. It also says that her body was found at the Admiral Benson Inn when the name of the motel was Benbo. The dates provided are also incorrect. It says Faye's body was found on December 4th, 2014. Now, that could have simply been a typo, but the problem is the information has been incorrect for years and no one has bothered to correct the picture or the information. And so if there's a question about whether or not this case is currently being investigated, I think we can clearly see the answer is no. The police having incorrect information on their website about this case means that even people who are trying to bring attention to Faye's story don't even have the correct information to go off. If it hadn't been for an article written by Caitlin Farmer, who was a student journalist at the time and had interviewed one of Faye's sons, I would not have known that the picture attached to the profile and many of the stories about her was not her. Quote, the picture is 100% wrong. There's so much wrong information, I get to the point where I don't even know what's wrong or what's right, to be honest with you, because I was young, he said in that interview. And that is one of the saddest parts of Faye's story. The lack of information. In order to tell her story, you have to dig deep. And even then, you won't find much. How can a woman, a mother, a teacher, be brutally murdered and there be no information? Almost like it never happened. But it did happen. And the people that have been left behind would like to know who did it and why. It's been almost 43 years now since Faye left her home three weeks before Christmas and never returned. Four days later, her body was found naked in the trunk of her own car. The brutality of her murder has left her loved ones grappling with an unfathomable question. How could anyone harbor such an intense hatred for Faye, a woman who was adored by those around her, to the extent of snuffing out her life and robbing her two sons of their mother's love and presence. In the quest for justice, it's deeply frustrating to encounter a story as compelling and heart-wrenching as Faye's, one that cries out for attention, only to discover that it has largely gone unnoticed. But even with very little information and a lot of neglect, 
I felt a compelling need to share her story. I was driven by a determination to ensure that people are made aware of the devastating fate that befell Faye, and that her perpetrator, despite so many years going by, has not been caught. And her family deserves to know what happened to her. Although it's been a lifetime, it's possible to bring closure to this case. No one is investigating Faye's murder. Her case is not well known, but that doesn't mean that justice can't be served. Faye Dollar was found dead in the trunk of her gold 1972 Monte Carlo on December 4th, 1980, in the parking lot of what used to be the Admiral Benbow Inn in Atlanta, Georgia. She was last seen wearing a red dress with rollers in her hair. If you have any information about her murder, please contact the Atlanta Police Department. May Faye Dollar rest in peace. Thank you for listening to this week's episode. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, TikTok, and Threads. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.